Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 221, and today we'll be talking about the fifth and final issue of the Harmony miniseries. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So, Zugalite's appearance was definitely a treat, as was Alexandrite's. Always, as we always have to point out, love to see the fusions in the comics. Yeah, I hear the voice every time, like Nicki Minaj immediately, even though Sugalite only had one line. It's crazy how much association I have with the voices for these characters, even though we have only ever seen them like one time in the show speak, but still. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like Sugalite was heavily featured in an amazing episode. Almost, but man, that was like episode 20 of the show. It's crazy that uh, Minaj's voice performance <laughs> sticks out still so much, like... It's crazy. But yeah, Sugalite was back and with a quack romp and a smash, she pretty much takes it down on her own until um until she doesn't. And then, of course, singing has to be involved to really take down the villain. Well, I mean, it is a Steven Universe comic, so that's to be expected. That's true. Although, fascinatingly enough, I found out I did a little more research on uh, on the writer, uh, S.M. Vidauri. Turns out that they've actually been signed on with like a record label since like 2014. It's like an indie rock label. It's like mint 400 records. So it totally makes sense now that uh, that they ended up writing for this comic because mm. they're in and connected to music. And of course, the Crooniverse uh, with their inclusion of like Nick Kroll, they definitely like that indie scene. So I thought that was a pretty neat little thing. So now I understand a little more about why this person specifically involved themselves on this project bringing singing to comics i'm just gonna correct you for all the fans of last one out of beach city out there it's mike kroll oh excuse me i don't know nick kroll is a person look him up and find out who that is listeners but yes mike kroll is who you should actually go buy his song uh that was in steven universe well two technically but yeah that's true so yeah sadie's band also actually plays a role this time uh you know it's the <laughs> yes, most plot justified moment finally which is pretty cool I mean, we finally got that payoff, and we we finally got confirmation on exactly when the comics take place. They very clearly put it right before the big show. Also, now I don't have the line in front of me, but I could have sworn that Sadie actually says a line from uh, the song in the show that inspires her to do her ghost performance. Yeah, she she's sitting there on her bed thinking up lyrics at six in the morning when her mom's on her way to work. Let me find it here. I used to be sick, sick and tired. So she's like right at the start of the song. Right. So we already had this idea, right, with Lars being gone of what might have inspired her to write this song. But I think that's really cool that, um, you know, this comic actually serves as, as the prequel to something or as the explanation to something very directly in the show. Even though it had like plot elements that are kind of important seemingly already, right, with the cores and sort of. Blue Diamond's explanation, which we'll get to as to finally exactly what the Harmony Corps was. You know, it's it's neat for to actually be able to include something like this. So it like really ties in like I wouldn't even call this second tier canon, right? Like this is pretty much part of the show, which is awesome. Oh, yeah, they they dragged it right in. So do you want to talk about Blue Diamond's bit at the end? Because I think they left a lot of mystery to the Harmony Corps. Okay, there's a ton of mystery. First of all, Blue Diamond says that she, quote, found the Harmony Core for Pink. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, she said that by the time they, she brought the Harmony Core out to use on Earth, you know, they hadn't been needed in eons, which, I mean, so we're talking the very early days of gem history when I guess they actually still had trouble fighting the organics on planets. 
for me, I tried to think, you know, we've always assumed that the diamonds create, uh, you know, specific, not strains, but, you know, specific types of gems. And now I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I'm very sure that they don't. Or if they do create them, then they can only tinker with them. They, they can't create them out of whole cloth. Right, I mean, sort of like how organic life seems to sprout on its own across the universe. I wonder if somehow, you know, we've seen, not in this comic series, but um, actually in the short graphic novel that we featured way back in January that I can't think of the name of at the moment. Anti-Gravity? Yes, in Anti-Gravity. You should remember the name of Anti-Gravity for reasons that will come up at the end of the episode yes well anti-gravity has been on my mind but in that graphic novel they actually uh, talked about core samples being scouted out on on planets and uh, back then we were kind of wondering exactly what that meant because the core samples that they show basically look like whole gems and so again we have this concept that somehow gems use whatever the life forces of planets to generate these things but uh you know the choice to generate a specific type of gem you know, to me felt intentional, but may- maybe it's not. I mean, kind of like how the uh, the Jaspers that were created in the Beta Kindergarten were very, uh, looked very specific to where they were grown. Maybe something like the Harmony Core or something, you know, that would be found in some rare planet. Like maybe they have to seed it and grow it. You know, I'm not exactly sure. Or, you know, perhaps the Harmony Core is a relic of whatever like if some species created the gems maybe the harmony core was created by them well how wild would that be that that suggestion first made it into you know this comic that's kind of kind of crazy yeah i mean well i mean that 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 the hypothesis that the gems are created by organics has i mean it's it's always going to be around because you know you have life ending uh artificial intelligences basically and where do those usually come from by dumb life <laughs> yeah uh we only have 30 episodes left or less really now in the uh in the televised show to find out that answer so it'll be really fascinating if we find out yeah if i mean it's not that every show goes ahead and tells you how the entire universe and, and the all the creatures in it were populated but you never know sometimes they do legend of Korra kind of did they you know never thought that i was going to get the answer to what happened you know ten thousand years ago in the series but it can happen. So it could happen with the gems. <laughs> I mean, White Diamond probably knows a lot. So Yeah, but is she talking? I guess we'll find out. Right. Well, <laughs> so again, bringing it back to that music, you know, I've been kind of, I maybe I've like shared this before with the past four issues, but I've been iffy on it. And I, I think I, I've nailed down more of my feeling with it because I remembered reading the Lord of the Rings books, how I would really, my eyes would glaze over whenever it got to like, the like the singing parts because it was really hard for me to just read songs without hearing the music but but here yeah again like it makes the comic comic feel kind of fast for me but I, i did enjoy whereas i didn't just overall it's just hard for me to focus on on the songs i liked the trading of lines that the gems and and humans have as they're sort of coming to their conclusion, stopping, destroying the Harmony Core, because especially like Stephen and Connie right there, Stephen kind of gives another line about the loneliness he was feeling in space. Connie, including that like she'd never thought that he would come back. You know, those those kinds of feelings are interesting to me, at least to express there and fit better with music than if they just said it. So I'll give the music that credit anyway. So I do wonder if the writers in a rock band, if there's somewhere a demo track for 
the music that's in these issues. Those would be neat to hear. You bring up a good point in that, in the same way with like J.R.R. Tolkien making the stuff he wrote in the Lord of the Rings books, like surely the writer has a song, has a melody in mind when they write this stuff, right? Like it's, it's not just poetry, it's actually music. So that would be fascinating to hear published. Maybe a writer like Tolkien would just write poetry and have the reader assume whatever melody they want. But, you know, someone who already does music, I I think, would be much more likely to want to know themselves what the melody sounds like. That's right. So SM Vidari, I don't know where, if you have a Twitter out there, I didn't, I I found you on Wikipedia. Having a Wikipedia is already a pretty big step. But, you know, if you, if you're allowed to, if Turner Broadcasting lets you, maybe uh, share with us what the melody sounded like for some of these songs. Because it's just too bad they didn't actually make it on TV, but it'd be cool to hear them. I, I do like how it looks like, it really makes it look like Peridot is the one that lands the fatal blow with the guitar. <laughs> I don't know why you're suggesting that she didn't. I mean, the guitar hit, I, I studied that panel for a long time. I was looking at what she hit on the foot. And then I kind of like realized, oh wait, it was the song that was, <laughs> was stopping it. But I was like, wait a minute. Did she actually just blow this whole thing up with a guitar? I don't know. It it still could have been her. We all assumed singing was the answer, but Pearl's hypothesis could have been wrong, and it could have just been that one swift blow to the foot was all it took. I mean, this, this, I mean, you never know. Critical hit. She rolled a natural 20. (laughs) That Harmony Core monster can just deal with it, you know? So, of course, there's like a little epilogue to the fight, too, where Sadie gets drug up into the sky really fast. What do you think about that choice? Hmm, I mean, I don't everything feels you, you know you know how rose says everything feels fast for her on earth every the timing of everything feels weird for me in comics that felt weird for me it's like comics do this sometimes they just oh got thrown a complication yeah there's a really interesting i don't remember if it was on a podcast or somewhere else where uh, rebecca sugar kind of talked about the ability to manipulate time with uh with the page of a comic and here you know i was looking and on one page we see sadie you know fly up into the sky. She has an emotional, you know, tear reaction to like, well, obviously being in the sky is pretty scary, but you know, she's like, oh, I'm, you know, lonely down there. I'm lonely up here. It's all the same. And then she's also immediately rescued. And then the next page has a big rescue shot, which I guess is supposed to be a big payoff from seeing Sadie, you know, fearing her life. Like, that's cool. But it happens in like two pages and nothing slowed me down on the first four panels. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I almost get the I almost get the idea that they they wanted that awesome full page shot of Alexandrite and it looks so cool. <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, how do we make this happen?" And you right. know, they, they only have they only have so many pages to work with. Right. Well, that's the most uh, you know, that's the roughest idea of like why why even throw Sadie up in the air because we need to get a full body shot of Alexandrite. But like at the same time, I feel like, you know, Sadie has had a role in this uh in this little series of comics in Harmony, but I, I didn't feel that like anything building up to her expressing this at the end. And so I guess that just missed me. So I don't know, maybe upon rereading, I'll feel something different. But at least the first time I read this, I was like, okay, I guess, I guess she's sad, which makes sense. But we've already seen this arc before. I mean, she's already dealt with in the show that Lars isn't there. And I didn't see anything else, you know, particularly prompting her to feel this way. It just feels it just feels randomly thrown in. I think if they wanted a shot of Alexandrite, they should have had her with Sardonyx's hammer, like just about to come down on the the monster, and that be what destroys it, rather than 
you know, making it look like Peridot did it, which was <laughs> hilarious. Oh, I absolutely love her in the beginning. Like, that, that monster is going to get its butt kicked. That was so adorable. Well, you know. A little gremlin. I hate to play like, I could have been the artist here, but also I'm thinking of like a really funny full page shot as well of like Peridot celebrating at the feet of like the crumbling and exploding, uh, you know, monster. That would have been another yeah. funny full page, but oh well. They, they could have had a to the victor go the spoils moment where she like, she's fighting over some shiny thing. <laughs> okay, so does the shiny thing actually like blow up and get shattered at the end? I was very confused because Alexandrite snipes it. And I, no one like seems to, I didn't see a, I tried looking for a bubble again or like a someone holding the gem. What happened to this thing? Yeah, it, they make it look like it explodes, but I did find it very weird that nobody's like, oh, you know, now it's consciousness is spread among all those gems and that's a terrible thing. Nope, victory time. We're happy. Well, and that's the thing. Ultimately, was this thing a gem? Because the whole point of bringing them here was to, to free the gems inside them. And I, I maybe they did, and that's why nobody's sad. They're just destroying an empty core. Because Pearl got out. Maybe maybe she got out at the same time all of the other gems did. Right. I mean, maybe this thing really was more tool than person. I mean, when Steven's even inside it, you know, normally when Steven interacts with gems, there's like a very personal connection he has with them. But, you know, they were just inside a room, inside, you know, the core. Like, Steven didn't, like, touch the walls and say, I feel you, I feel your pain, you know, or something like that yeah i think this is just a just like a computer or something but that's kind of weird because the show has never had that <laughs> like we're supposed to expect that that's kind of like the sinister evil side to all the technology that gems use right is that potentially a sentient being is being subdued right remember they can't use this thing without putting a sentient being inside of it so they, don't worry it still has that and again there's the possibility that the gems might not be the ones who created this because, again, like, all gem technology relies on subdu- Well, no, not all gem technology. They have tons of stuff that isn't powered by other gems, but all their cool stuff is powered by other gems. Yeah. I mean, I'm still expecting to see more of that on Homeworld, too. That's a theme I don't want to see disappear from the show. But also, as far as, uh, you know, since we're kind of near the end of the actual, like, plot of the comic, looking at the movie series, I think this would be one of the pieces most ripe for exploration. Uh, that hinting that there's something about these harmony cores that weren't naturally created. Yeah, man, I don't I don't know what that final page is like, because we have the explanation on the page before on why the harmony core was on Earth. And OK, for one, we know that there were three on Earth and everyone's talking like there's only one. So that's weird. But then on the next page, we have everybody like, oh, I guess it's still a mystery. <laughs> I think that they're just going for, oh, see, we know something they don't know. But it really feels like they're trying to set us up for something else in a like a non-existent issue six. Right. I'm I'm not sure what that is. Of course, also we see a panel, well, a few panels with like Lars, and I'm uh, assuming that that's there not just because Sadie's here, but also because there's an upcoming comic series with Lars. And you know, for all we know, maybe these comics, you know, they've traditionally been pretty separated in their plots. So for all we know, maybe the Harmony Core stays important uh, in the future. Maybe we learn more about it while Lars does his thing in space. So yeah, Lars of the Stars comic tie-in? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I really think they would have timed the releases of the comics a little bit better. But I guess it doesn't hurt to take January off. Yeah, no. I mean, a month away, <laughs> based on, you know, like, the show's hiatuses, it feels more than appropriate. How many how many episodes did we air this year? Uh, counting the ones that are going to? I'm, I'm almost scared to check. I I feel like it's under 10. No, 
it's I think it might be under 20, though. It was really bad. Yeah, well, it's scary when the number of comics is about the number of episodes released. (laughs) Actually, in that sense, I think the Steven Universe regular series that's been ongoing might have beaten the show. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, just because it has a consistent one issue a month release schedule. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man, man, would I take that? But I'm not going to complain because we have quote, weekly episodes coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, they, they are coming weekly. So, yeah. I mean, they, they're starting us off with an episode that we've already had forever on the app. But, <laughs> hey, I'm not complaining. Because it's, it's my episodes on Homeworld that I've always wanted, even if we are seeing them from a palace. Yeah. Yeah, man. The first panel of this of this comic has another one of those, uh, just where you can see all the roofs of some section of homeworld and um honestly this comic has given us <laughs> in some ways more more of homeworld's cityscape than the show has really the show's just shown us one shot this one's had a, a few and we even saw the weird areas where the topazes were <laughs> uh but so we have the after this we have the movie to look forward to the one that i'm even though the comic didn't give any obvious hooks like you know attached movie here I still have so much trouble believing that they would have the Crystal Heart feature so clearly in this comic and in the movie teaser and have there there not be an attachment somewhere that I'm not seeing. At this point, the only thing that would trouble me about a tie-in is that the only way for us to know that there's a tie-in is that the, the characters have to reference in show the events of this comic. And the show has never done that. When the video ga- game came out, like, no one could reference what happened, right? No one can say yeah, that villain's that's... name. And if you do that here, if they're like, oh, man, the cores are back? I thought we got rid of those. Every kid would be confused because, again, there's no ads for any of the comics on, on this on this TV network. Yeah, it just would have been great to see this as its own episodes. I agree. <laughs> that's i think that's the greatest compliment we can give to a comic is that we just want to see it all you know animated but um they they did a great job and and when i think about the you know this series as a whole i think that you know with the songs they did something really unique also having that kind of more sophisticated style is definitely going to make it memorable for me so i think overall harmony's been 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 pretty good yeah gonna give it a big thumbs up yeah yeah, uh, great job. Of course, more people put in work on it. But of course, the illustrator, Molly Rose, I think, right, contributed to that art style. And uh, I have not enjoyed all of the comics art styles, believe me. So uh, Harmony did really well for that. Yeah, the, the first series, the first series that they did, the one that only went eight issues. The stories were cute, but the art style, I, I wish they had gone for something more authentic to the show like this. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. So, like, unlike OKKO, where I love seeing the characters represented just about any old way, uh, Steven Universe just isn't quite like that. I But but here, the, the characters actually don't look like like the models on the show at all, but the style that, that Rose has given them is not... Um, they really capture the feeling very well. Yeah. Although, Lion looks like he's about to spout something straight out of a fortune cookie. <laughs> Every panel he's in. Hmm. So yeah, I think I think that that they did a great job with that, and obviously the writing and songs. So yeah, the Lars the Lars series will have a lot to do to differentiate itself. I mean, it doesn't have to do a lot of work; it can do just a story about Lars. It definitely, if anything, uh, can help. The way it can stand out is by justifying exactly 
how Lars changed in space because we basically got a whole new character after he died and I haven't quite let the show off the hook yet for doing that with Lars. Although they did show him crying like a you know <laughs> little baby after not seeing Sadie and Stephen and Connie kind of put him in place. But, um, you know, I think the comics will do good for that. But, but yeah, Harmony's been special and been on Homeworld and I want to hear the songs. So yep. post them. So, I mean... Who who knows what the movie will bring, whether it will tie into Harmony or whether it will just, you know, maybe maybe Homeworld just loves red crystal hearts. It might just be a recurring aesthetic with them. You never know. It would be really weird for the movie to take place like this far back in the timeline. Like, I, that's always been a weird thing. Right. How do they do it? I, I don't think, well, at this point, this pretty much wraps up this little segment. So if the Harmony Corps of any place in the future of the plot I think it would just take place in the future. It wouldn't take place like mm. right after this, you know? Yeah. Like, this could have been an event that happened, and then the show moved on, and then it becomes a problem later on. Yeah, you know, months down the line for them, or, you know, quite a wa- quite some time down the line for us. Right, so I th- it, the ser- comic series definitely handles that question. So, uh, do you have anything else to say about Harmony Number 5, the conclusion of Harmony? I, uh, I... I, I think it's been brought to a close. I'm in complete uh, harmony. Uh, you know what? This joke isn't just landing. <laughs> it's a, it was good. Uh, I, I'm in a harmonious place with how I feel about harmony. Mm-hmm. Yes. Didn't do any harm, did it? <gasps> Thanks Merry for trying. Christmas, children. <laughs> anyway, guys, join us next week where not only will we be covering the new Steam Universe graphic novel, Ultimate Doedown, but we will be joined with a very special guest. Hi, I'm Talia Perper. I'm a storyboard director at Warner Brothers Animation, and I wrote the upcoming graphic novel Steven Universe Ultimate Doedown and last year's Steven Universe Anti-Gravity. I'll be answering questions about those comics, so keep an eye out. And thanks for having me on Lunar Sea Spire. So you'll definitely want to catch next week's episode. And uh, don't forget to leave a review for this episode on iTunes. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarSeaspire.com. Thank you for listening.